Comics Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan. And DigitalOcean. Go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to Linux Action Show episode 421. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hello, Noah, and happy 10th anniversary to you, sir. Happy 10th anniversary, and thank you very much for the commitment that you've made to oh, be getting to this point. Oh, geez, holy smoke. So uh, it is our 10th anniversary, 10 freaking years of the Linux Action Show. I pretty much can't really believe that, but we thought to celebrate it, we'd throw out the format and have ourselves a really fun episode. There's really two main things we're going to do in this week's episode, and they both scratch an itch. Uh, should I start with the uh, the wisp? Should I tell them about that? You ready? All right. I guess okay. I just kind of did. Yeah, you just... So both Noah and I, we like ourselves some camping. We like to go outdoors, get away from it all, but the one thing we don't really like is to disconnect from the internet. So when a community of users got together and said, let's build our own ISP, in the era of Comcast and all these big ISPs, to have a community out on a remote island come up and build a wireless ISP all powered by Linux. I mean, I'm talking Raspberry Pis installed on trees. I'm talking antennas on towers that go down to Linux boxes. It is a grassroots, community-built ISP that frickin' rocks, and we got a hands-on tour of how it all works. I'm really excited. It was a great trip out to an island. We had a ton of fun. It was a great way to celebrate our 10th anniversary. And we ran into another Chris out there who is a longtime Linux user. So you guys are going to love that segment. We had a blast doing it. And then, to celebrate 10 years of the Linux Action Show, we thought it would be a lot of fun to have a little hardware from 10 years ago and see how awful it is to run Linux from 10 years ago and then attempt to put a modern Linux on it and see how much we can get done. So both Noah and I have equipped ourselves here. Uh, grab yours. That, yeah, you can see yours there, right there. I got, oh, jeez. Oh, boy. I got mine right here. A 10, <laughs> that thing. A 10-year-old laptop uh, that... Hey, uh, Chris, I, I, I'm going to ask you on air. What? What? what your Dell laptop there? Wh what? Whose is thicker? Uh, your Dell laptop is definitely thicker. Okay. Yeah, All yeah, right. your Dell laptop. Also, yours has a PCI-MCA card sticking That's out right. the side of it. And right. Mine just has an open PCI-MCA slot, but does not have the card sticking out. Uh, so we took these 10-year-old laptops uh, that, uh, and, and put a decade-old version of Linux on them and saw what we could get done, see what the environment was like, and see how far the Linux desktop has come in some ways since we started the show. And then we, then we attempt to put a modern distro that we both felt, and we don't know which ones we chose, but we both felt we get the most out of this ten-year-old hardware. Mm -hmm. So we did all of that, and we're going to uh, we're going to show you guys the results, which is a lot of fun. And then there may just be a related giveaway towards the end of the show. That's all I'm saying. But we'll probably be doing a giveaway, and we're going to take some live calls at the end of all of it. And we have a few embarrassing moments that we're going to play for you. So it should be it should be a proper good time. And we debated for our tenth anniversary. What 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 stacks up for ten years? on Runs Linux. Uh, these Runs Linux have just sort of, over the years, become a staple of the show. They've been in every episode since episode one. And it felt like for the 10th anniversary, we had to have something huge. And we talked about it. We, we, looked, we looked back and forth at uh, all the different options we had in front of us. And we thought, really? If Up to including the network itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just thought, it, it's, kind of, it kind of, it's kind of cliche, but the entire world now runs Linux. When we started, it was, it, the mindset was so much a compete with Microsoft on the desktop. 
and and then the server space just exploded, and mobile exploded, and ARM exploded, and Linux was at the forefront of all of it. And, and now, really, the internet and Android and all of it in this sh- it has become it. the de facto standards. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people in our uh, virtual lug now just talk about Linux as one of the one of the standard runtime platforms that's out there. Because even even freaking Windows can now run Linux apps. And you know, everyone should stick around for the feedback segment because in the feedback segment, we're going to take a comparative and contrasting list of things that have stayed the same over the last yeah. ten years, and then things, things that have changed. Have changed. Yeah. Uh, also, the, really, the whole the whole damn episode is a runs Linux episode. Yeah. Every segment has uh, stuff running Linux, and it's, it's, it's really a lot to cover. So we thought instead of doing our traditional picks, news, main segment, and wrap-up feedback segment, we would uh, throw all that out and just have a lot of fun with you guys for our 10th anniversary. For episode 10. No. No. Four. No. Well, 10th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, it is that. Ten yeah. years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. I was oh. working hard on trying to calculate binary <laughs> on my hand and then get it so that when it flips around, it'll be right. Um, you know, I was looking, too, at the uh, at the Wikipedia list, which is the canonical list here. Uh, and look, there's a screenshot of Ubuntu. They have a, a actually not a bad list of different uh, old, uh, old issues with adoption, new issues, different form factors. Netbooks, remember, remember the competition between Windows XP and Linux on netbooks? And oh yeah! In fact, you know what? So again, my wheelhouse, older stuff, right? I the, one of the first Linux converts I ever had was I was like a I think I was uh, I was I was somewhere in high school, and and my and my in laws my now in laws at the time the parents of my girlfriend um, they were looking to buy a new laptop and they wanted one that was going to sit at their kitchen table and Dell released I don't know if you remember this the Dell Inspiron Ten it was a ten inch netbook yeah, I do remember and that. it was available from Dell yeah. with Ubuntu and so I, I had suggested that they order it. well yeah. then they order it and this is right when they made the change to Unity well that was remember Unity originally was the netbook remix right well so the problem was it showed up. And it is not what I was running on my laptop. <laughs> yeah. So now I don't know how any of this stuff works. And uh, and I remember being a real a real son of a gun trying to, yeah. to figure some of that out. Whew. Yeah, that was that was in a totally different era. It yep. really is a. Total- and then and then you know Asus came out with their EPC, and I was the, one of the first people to buy yes. one of those. And the, e- the EPC that had it had Linux on it, but it was basically useless. And it had like tiny, five icons. tiny like a four gig flash. Yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. 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 Still have it. Yeah. <laughs> Still have it. Yeah. So it's funny how far all that stuff's come. So since we're since we're throwing out the regular format. Uh, and and uh, we're not going to be doing our, reg- our regular breaks. I just want to take a moment right now and thank our sponsors at the top of the show, which seems kind of appropriate for our 10th anniversary, too. So let's start uh, with DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean's our on-demand Linux infrastructure. It's super fast infrastructure. You go over there, spin up less than 55 seconds, and just use our promo code, here's the thing. All one word, lowercase. They have a great UI. They have great distros, a huge community built around it, tons of easy automation with their super well-documented API. And they just are starting to launch block storage, which somebody next to me here got into the invite, uh, the beta before I did. That's cool. I'm not bitter or anything. So use our promo code. Here's the thing over at DigitalOcean to get a $10 credit and support the show. If you're looking for a phone or someone in your family or someone in your business needs a great, great phone service with no hassle, think of Ting. Just go to last.ting.com. This is mobile that makes sense. No contracts, no early termination fee, and you only pay for what you use. A flat $6 for the line. I was just talking to somebody this morning, like, yeah, I could keep this phone around, but it's only gonna, it's, it's gonna be like, you know, just like 15 bucks a month, no big deal. I'm like, 15 bucks a month just to have that phone in yeah. case? That's, That's crazy. twice as much as you need to pay. $6 over Ting, plus whatever Uncle Sam wants. They have fanatical customer support. They have a great community. Tons did you of, know? Tons did, of cool devices. Did you know that you can activate both the CDMA and the GSM side of one phone 
and have two separate phone numbers and have that on one phone? Shut up. Yeah, yeah. I was playing with this uh, about a week ago. But so basically, if I have, because uh, I was I was a little jealous of some of those. Uh, what's the Google thing that the whatever it is? Fi. Yeah, whatever. So, but it's more expensive, right? Because they charge you like ten dollars per gigabyte or something. Yeah, and, and you yeah. have to buy at least like yeah, two gigabytes, it, and you have to have this many minutes. With Ting, it's you only pay for what you use, and so you're not paying into a whole bunch of minutes. Yeah. It's, but I was I was getting a little jealous of the fact that they had this dual network thing. So right. I, I looked into it, and I just all I did was I logged into Ting and I activated the yeah. IMEI for the yeah. GSM. That side. makes sense. Yeah, it was great. You know, that's I've always just choose GSM or CDMA and just sort of stick to it because yeah. I, I find it it just it works pretty. Once you get in an area, I have, it's usually I have coverage. zero CDMA devices activated anymore. Really? They're all GSM. I have like one, I think. Yeah. Uh, GSM seems to be my go-to. That's what's nice, yeah. though, is you get to choose just based on your coverage. Unlock devices. You own them outright, starting with just the SIM card. So check them out at last.ting.com. And then I want to thank Linux Academy. This is a great resource for anyone who watches or listens to this show. This is somewhere where you can go where we start talking about something, they finish the conversation at Linux Academy. They have 2,473 self-paced courses where you obtain experience. They have downloadable comprehensive study guides, scenario-based labs that put you in the middle of everyday tasks, instructor mentoring, graded server exercises, which is great for those of us who have test anxiety, the full Android development learning suite, DevOps, that stack as it is, Red Hat's courseware, the best over there, Python, PHP, Ruby, and the Amazon Web Services. This is a place to go to make you more appealing to your current employer, to make you more attractive to a potential contract, and this is a great place to go just to challenge yourself and update your skill set. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. We brought the unplugged discount to the Linux Academy audience, or the Linux, Linux Action Show audience for the Linux Academy. And then, and I'll be mentioning more about, talking about more about them later, a big special thank you to System76, designers of machines born to run. Ubuntu. Desktops, laptops, and servers. They're assembled right here in the U.S. of A. It's a super common misconception, but the the machines are assembled in the U.S. of A. They ship them here. They put them together. They troubleshoot them here when you need to get them fixed. The desktops are gorgeous and powerful. The laptops hit the notes right where you need them, either ultra-portable to desktop killers, and the servers, you know they're going to run great because System76 has been doing this for over a decade. Go over to System76.com and get get yourself a machine built to run Linux. Stop fighting with your hardware and play with your Linux and tell them Linux Action Show sent you. System76. You know, they don't ever stop working. Like Legitimately. Yeah, like legitimately. So we're we're at the after party itself, and there's a Windows guy and there's a MacBook guy, and then there's System76 and me. So yeah, the odds were stacked to begin with. I mean, let's face it. But You've had, not to interrupt your story, but I don't know if the audience realizes, so Noah's here in the Pacific Northwest for the 10th anniversary oh, show. Oh, jeez, dude. And you got in last night. The uh, last 72 hours of my life. <laughs> Do you want to just give a quick recap? Because pretty cool self happened. You I, went to Southeast well, no, Linux Fest. No, it actually it starts before that. I'm sure so it does. I, <laughs> I, got, I got done with Linux Fest Northwest. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm stepping on your. That's mic. okay. I got done with Linux Fest Northwest, and I get back to just a mountain of work. Yeah. And and a, and, a, and a number of problems that I'm working on solving. And I, I about when I start to feel like my head's coming above water. I, we had to come back to do some of the pre, uh, preparation work and some of the shooting for the 10th anniversary. So I'm here for that, and then I go back. A day later than I then a day later than where I should have been to get all of the equipment because we were doing the networking for self and I get all that shipped out a day late, and then immediately following that I had a wedding that weekend that we were doing and then immediately wow. following that I try to catch up on the work I skipped from the last week for being gone and then two days after that I leave for self I'm at self for what forty some hours. And I leave self and barely sleeping and get on a plane and drive, fly literally across the country, literally like an eight or nine hour trip. Yeah. 
to Seattle, land, and then I, ha- I made you get up in the middle of the night to come get me, and then sat up and filmed the rest of the episode. Yeah, and of course did interviews and live streamed from Southeast Linux Fest. So yeah. uh, also a shout out to the BSD Now guys who are who are, I don't I think they're still live at BSD Can or at least they were at BSD Can. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so Noah just teased it there. He had to fly out midweek to record some stuff for this episode, and that is where we're going to start this week. It's a it's a it's a wireless ISP over in Orcas Island. Now Orcas Island, we've Actually, I should back up. Honestly, why this came up for our 10th anniversary is we've talked about doing this before. A long, long time ago. Geez, it all comes back to the Runs Linux. It's kind of perfect. A long time ago, we did a Runs Linux about this community ISP. And we saw their article in Ars Technica, and they did some interviews. It looked like a pretty competent, pretty cool setup. And we thought, boy, wouldn't it be great to just go out there and do a live show and just mm-hmm. live stream using their wireless infrastructure for the show? And and that was, of course, a while ago. And then we started, then later on, we we're like, you know, we never got around to that WISP because just the work of taking my RV mm-hmm. on to a ferry, which would be a couple hundred dollars, and then driving it over there on this tiny island mm-hmm. and setting all that, it just never really materialized, not to mention you have to fly here to do it. So we thought, well, what if we... What if instead of making it like a whole live event, Mm -hmm. what if we just reduce the scope and just said, let's go have fun. Let's go hang out with this Linux enthusiast and see what he's built Mm -hmm. and just just enjoy the hell out of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think it turned out so much better than if we would have gone out there and had the whole stress of trying to make a live show and a live event out of the whole thing. So we met up with uh, with Chris from the uh, Dobe uh, Users Internet. Or, uh, it's it's all in the clip. Well, I explained it all. I know I'm, I'm a horrible person because that's not what I was there for. I was more there, for, there for the Linux, right? For of all of the awesome Linux. So I've got a clip right here. I'm going to play it for you guys of our trip out there. It's uh, it starts with us uh, in on the ferry. And don't worry if you're listening to this and if a part or two seems like, geez, I would have liked to have seen that. Uh, our intention will be to embed this in the show notes if you if you guys do want to see it. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Without further ado, here's our trip out to Orcas Island to find ourselves some Linux. Good morning. It's early. We still have sleep in our eyes and we're on a ferry over to Orcas Island where we're going to meet somebody named Chris. Convenient for me because I'm not going to forget that one. We caught the boat and now we're on an hour-long ferry ride. Welcome to Orcas Island. Do you smell it? No, that's not our morning gas. That is the seawater, the salty seawater. And we're here in what's pretty much considered downtown Orcas Island. And we're waiting for Chris, who's going to take us over to his secret layer of internet shenanigans powered by Linux. The thing I was thinking about is, like, do you have room for me in your car? We could make room. Yep. Um, Just have to move that yep. seat. So we could climb in your car, and we could head off to Dobay. We could yep. talk on the way there. So were you a Linux guy before you started doing the ISP? Yeah, I've been a I've been a Linux guy since like the mid late nineties. Yeah. Um, I kind of did did Windows for support for a little bit and had a Mac, and then I think Windows just pissed me off enough <laughs> that I discovered Red Hat Linux and I was like, hey, this just works and you never have to reboot it. And so you know, and then I started writing CGI scripts and Perl. Yeah. And then discovered Postgres, and that's pretty much my stack. So there, here we are. Okay. All 
All right, a really super exciting way to celebrate our 10th anniversary. We are here at a wireless ISP and they are entirely using Linux. Now with me, I have Chris, and of course behind the camera is the Chris that you guys know. Hey Chris, thanks for being here with us today. Yeah, no problem. All right, so tell me how this company got started. From conceptually in your mind, how did, how did it get from, from that to what it is today? So first off, it's not a company, it's a not-for-profit corporation oh, basically okay. so uh it was a bunch of us got together and we're sort of tired of dsl around here and you can see there's really not any other options for internet so um we had this idea that you know from way up here on the hill we could see the mainland and get a connection somewhere and then use basically ubiquity gear to sort of bounce around to people's houses um ubiquity that's interesting why did you go with ubiquity there's it seems like there's a lot of companies that are making different kinds of equipment especially for internet why specifically ubiquity uh it was affordable and it ran linux which is kind of a nice thing because you can just you know ssh in and get little other tidbits and uh mostly it was the affordability because we were you know had no money and let's just try to boot something up here and i'd used ubiquity radios in the past for some things mm -hmm. and they just kind of work sure um, and so from what it sounds like you guys have really taken the whole community model to heart yep yeah, totally. So we we figured we needed about 25 people to commit to doing this. So, you know, we went to a local potluck and talked to neighbors and said, you know, do you guys think we should do this? And everybody's like, yeah. And then we said, okay, we need 25 people to make this work. And, you know, 25 people, we eventually got sort of raised their hands. They were in the right places. Um, and then we did it all with volunteer labor because, you know, I'm like, I'm not I'm not doing this to make a living. I'm doing this to get better internet, ultimately, yeah. for myself. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I want better internet. And if I can give it for all you guys, that's great. Um, and then, you know, we slowly built the thing out. And then more and more people would... It's like early adopters and that whole yeah. you know, paradigm. So we got the early adopters. And then once people saw that, hey, this really works, then, you know, over time, more people start to say, oh, can you hook me up? Sure. Can we hook me up? And now we're over 60, 65 people. That's incredible. Well, Chris, I'm really excited. So, show me what you got here. So, uh, this is this is the water tank where everything kind of comes into, and over here on the right is where we first started. You know, we didn't have a whole bunch of money. We didn't have a whole bunch of equipment. So, you know, we made this little box here is where the APC UPS lived. Uh -huh. You know, undercover. And then this box is where all of our equipment used to live. Uh huh. Right. Just a uh, you know, an edge switch or something, and, you know, we just climb up there and, you know, installed our radios. So we ended up kind of outgrowing this box, and, you know, we built our little clubhouse we called over here to put everything in. So this is this is where everything is now. So we notice, we, you can tell you're outside of the, 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 the center of an wireless ISP because we have this uh, ubiquity radio or antenna right up here that we can see. Uh, yeah, so we moved all the equipment in here in our little house, you know, so there's the UPS that was over there and in the beginning all we had was a little edge switch and a couple other things, but obviously this is what we have now and that's never going to fit in here. Okay, so start with me at the bottom. I'm assuming this is your uplink. Yes, so uh, these two things are StarTouch's equipment. So that's the microwave link that goes to the mainland and they, this is theirs and actually this catalyst switch is theirs as well. Um, okay. 
This Cisco is our main router. Uh, we had some problems with the Ubiquiti Edge switch with big file downloads. So, you know, we had more people, we had more money, so we got a Cisco switch. So, you know, then Star Touches comes into the Cisco switch, and then that comes up to Ubiquiti Edge switch, which is PoE powers, and then, you know, these go up to the radios that are up on the the tank or the one that's out here that actually services the water tank. Okay, and how about the Super Micro? Uh, the Super Micro is just the Linux box that we have. It's running, I think, Ubuntu or maybe even CentOS, but it runs Nagios, Cacti. It runs some other little scripts that are kind of monitoring the network. And, you know, you know, I'll SSH into this box to, you know, do a little backup things. Um, this is actually running, um, somebody else wrote a little program in Node to do a speed test once an hour. Mm -hmm. So we're doing that and logging that into Cacti so we can see, hey, StarTouch, you know, you said we could get 100. What are we actually getting? And watching that sort of change over time. Um, so that's kind of a gist. You know, we got our little VoIP phone here if we want to um, talk to things. But you know, let's bring out the other thing, it proves I'm a real Linux person. Uh, I have a system 76. Oh, nice! <laughs> and, and, uh, and what drove this decision? Um, I had, actually a long time ago, I just had a Linux desktop that I developed on and then switched to a Mac because it was, it, it was just hard to run stuff back in the, you know, 90s. And then, at some point, I needed my development platform to be pretty much exactly what is in production. So this is running the same Ubuntu that I have up at AWS for my business. And, you know, I can download and run everything here. It's exactly the same. And at this point now, you know, you, look, you can run Minecraft yeah, and all these yeah. other things on here. And so yep. you have all the same functionality that you do on anything else. And Apple, in my mind, has sort of become the new Microsoft. Okay, all right. So we're okay. So we got the System so 76 we're, and we're, we're plugged in. And um, oh, so the other thing is this hosts a, a, a web page. So <clears throat> Tensors are two is this thing. And this is a status page. This shows anybody in. Actually, anybody on the outside or the inside can get to this page. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, it's got a little help information. It's got some links here. And then I'm actually pulling forward a little bit of what Nagios does here. Mm -hmm. So you current status page, you know, here's current traffic on the link so we can see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then Nagios is a little, you know, fun network map thingy. Um, you know, we have some reds here, people that we need to get installed. So they're just sort of sitting and reminding us. And then we also have a webcam up there oh, nice. that's giving us the current view of so we could get up there and wave at it and nice cacti you know so this is monitoring all the hosts at various intervals and when something goes down Nagios tells us about it Nagios is sort of a little love hate because it's <laughs> the, the learning curve is steep and if you don't get it completely right actually the um, so the other thing that we have here is, yeah, so we're in here. So this is, this is my, my day job is building systems, and this is sort of my framework around financial systems for community foundations is what mm -hmm. I'm doing now, but sort of building on top of that. Um, so this is our Adobe Internet system that I created that has a whole accounting system in that we use to do billing, and this is all written again in Perl and Postgres on Apache. 
but um, I added this other little section in here where I'll put in all the network hosts in here uh -huh. where they are physically which means I can draw a map in Google Maps Bloop. Right. So cool. Um, with That's all the so links, cool. so we're sitting right up here, and then there's everybody out building out there. Um, but what? <clears throat> and then I have all the routing and all the networks and the routing in here, and you link the hosts together. And then this system actually spits out a file that this system pulls down once an hour and actually rebuilds the Nagios config. Okay. Okay. So if I went in here and added a new host, this Nagios would pick it up and then start to monitor it. And then okay. if I disable the host there, Nagios stops monitoring. So really, I never go in and mess with Nagios anymore. It's just, you know, not worth it. Um, and our other friend, uh, Cacti. But this is graphing, you know, again, here's our total traffic at this, here's our speed tests, um, but we're also graphing data from all the other hosts on the network. We can, we're monitoring the traffic they're using, you know, uptime, latency, bitrate single noise from the ubiquity radios so we can look at something over time maybe somebody says ah oh, my radio's all jacked up my speed's down you know we can come in here and look at this over the past year and say oh look something happened two weeks ago and now your signal all went south so or if it's like this all the time you're like it's always been like this you just haven't <laughs> noticed there's a problem yeah some nice historical um yeah you know one one of the really interesting things we found so there's a there's a link on that map that goes across the water like three miles and um, people were saying you know it's really weird the it gets slow certain times of the, the day and where was it? it was this one yeah okay so this link shoots right over the water and what was happening was at really high tides the signal would be bouncing off the water and the oh. bit rate would go down and you can compare this to a tide chart and it matches no. up exactly we were trying to figure out what it was and somebody else looked at this and he said that looks like tides <laughs> and it was so when it was really you work with tides. some major nerds <laughs> so there you go it's it's the tides so that is if you have a long link and it's shooting right over the water you're gonna have some problems but again because we we're graphing all this you could look at this and go hmm, that is very strange um, the other, the other thing we find is uh, in certain places you can watch in the, string, in the spring the signal strength going worse as all these trees leaf out. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? And so you kind of go, oh, time to trim those trees or just realize, you know, the signal is just a little not as great. Crazy mother... people we actually uh, set them up with a uh, ubiquity 2.4 Wi-Fi okay so we'll sure. set that up for them uh -huh. and configure it and now we've now they have 2.4 in their house yeah. and if they want they can plug into that thing and so, you so you're just basically putting like a UAP inside of their house yep so we are now at one of our relay points uh, Bob and Gail Shipstead's house uh, and if we look up that way, <clears throat> that is Pioneer Hill. 
which is where my house is and the water tank is up to the right and so the connection comes from the water tank to my house up in a big tree and then it comes down here to can you see the radio up there? Did anybody see the radio? You can't I even can. see the radio. Oh, yeah. I can see the radio. It's up there painted brown, so it's totally, <laughs> yeah. So that's the receiving radio, comes down to here, and then if we come around the corner, is our access point equipment. Oh, and all the nerds are gonna love this too. This is, this is one where we're testing out uh, a Raspberry Pi in here, which is doing speed tests from this location and monitoring the battery voltage and if the battery voltage goes low or off. So 24 volt power comes up through here, goes into this is a Tycon charge controller. Then that converts, oh, and then that, the battery is linked into this. So if we lose power in there, the site will run off this battery for six hours or so. Um, and th then the Pi was supposed to alert us that power dropped in the house so that we knew to come out here and check on that before the battery dies. Uh, so this is still a little bit of a work in progress. Uh, and the other interesting thing is, so this is an, a HANA wireless box, you know, 12 inch whatever with the plate in there. And the challenge was how do you get all this stuff in here <laughs> correctly? And so what I ended up doing is designing uh, and 3D printing this bracket for the battery and these two brackets to hold the switch up over top of that. That's incredible. So, That's incredible. And at this point now they're on Shapeways. So if you want to buy these for your own box, you can buy them and you, if you don't have a 3D printer. So. That's awesome. All right, let's take a look at this other site. So even this one, we kind of had roped ourselves up when we were down there working on it. So there's a 900 sector that's doing 900 up this way. It's actually hitting somebody up on the top of that hill uh -huh. and then some people that are back in the woods there. So that's the 900. And then on top of it is the rocket with the sector, which is hitting the people right in here. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing, or the, the, the advantage here is that you're not, it's not a true like wireless mesh network. So you're not losing any quality because you're bringing back into a switch and then using that to yeah. connect everyone else and up. it's not a mesh because this is a true right. tree if yeah. if we cut the wire there there's no alternative path yeah um, right right you know it's, it was hard enough to just get service to this person's house let alone yep. a redundant link all the way back to the tank right of course um, not yeah and then one of the things that was we would really love to be able to do is from this location to go back to the tank directly mm -hmm. instead of bouncing up there and over because we lose a little bit in doing that but if we could put a radio about 10 feet out there in the water, we could connect back up to the tank, but there's just enough trees sitting here that it's, I don't know, we've, we've thought about climbing up these trees, but they're not really tall enough to get you above other things. If we were a company out here doing this, I think it would be way less received, right? I'm gonna come make money here. Right. Can you help me? Can I use your house to make money? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But pretty much anybody that signs up and wants internet they're then we could make them a relay and that's actually how we extended the network mm -hmm. you know we got to this you know we're almost saying oh it'd be really great if they wanted internet and as soon as they say <laughs> we want internet you're like Woo we can get to the next you know hill yeah, or yeah. something so um but at this point now so we started with 75 dollars a month and we have enough people now we've bought backup equipment we've extended the network and now the prices are going down no. so 
We start at 75, <laughs> you pay that for 18 months, and then it goes to 65, and then 55, and then 45. And even after that, wow. we're still putting money in the bank, and we may even have to issue capital credits to people because we have all this money in the bank. And then, you know, it's not about making money. So you're just sort of like, here's extra money. third location this is another location where they're actually receiving the internet and what's great about this particular location is if you couldn't quite find the antenna before I think you can see it this time so tell me a little bit more about this site Chris so this is the site of uh, Tom and Stephanie Tillman Tom is one of the founding Dolby uh, internet members um, and uh, we knew that from the middle of his field we could see the water tank up there and you know he said sure let's put a pole in the middle of our field no problem um, and this is the place of, you know, if you've seen some of the other articles, the infamous, uh, infamous power outage caused by the sheep. So we needed to get power out here to that pole. And so there's power back there at the barn and temporarily we just threw a big, huge extension cord across the field and up into the, the access point over here. And, um, there's some sheep. Oh, you can see the sheep over there. Uh, the sheep would like to come over there and rub on it for whatever reason and they disconnected it, you know, at, you know, in the afternoon and then the battery worked for six hours in the middle of the night. Oh, relay point down. What happened? Tom comes out. Oh, they unplugged it. So now we've properly trenched across the field, put in underground, you know, high voltage and have the thing over there. And now he's even put a little fence around it so the sheep don't get up and mess around with it. So that's the first time I've heard of sheep go. taking out internet access. Yep, out in the middle of nowhere. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to show us all this stuff and yep. all the way around. You guys are doing a fantastic job. If anyone wanted to learn more about what you guys are doing here, or maybe there's somebody in the community that wanted to get involved. Doesn't know about us already? <laughs> uh, yeah, just look on our website, dbiua.org. Uh, and I try to do a good job of sort of blogging on that and sharing things that we've done, you know, networking designs and, you know, the design of that little relay box and things like that. And, you know, if you send me a question on chris at dbiua.org, you know, I'll get back to you when I have time. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much for being a part of our yeah. 10th anniversary of the Linux Action Show. You guys can check him out too at his website. We'll have that linked in the show notes. Thank you to Chris. That was, I love doing that. Uh, the sheep thing, totally unexpected, totally yeah. awesome. Yeah, when he, when he started talking, well, because first he's like, you guys have heard of the sheep thing, as if it was something to be known that, like, the sheep in thing. the wireless, yeah, I think in the might, wireless internet. It might have been in the Ars Technica article that he knew we had read, I think oh, is what it was. Okay. But well, I, I, I missed that part. Didn't jump out to me. I yeah. missed that part. And so then when he starts explaining, I'm like, I was like, why is he trolling me in the middle of the site? Like, we're actually yeah. recording right now. Yeah. And then I realized, yeah. like, he's serious. Like, yeah. the sheep actually disconnected the internet from this community. Um, that was great. I love, I love the whole community thing. I love that the prices are going down. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that we didn't really fit in the interview was, uh, you know, there are other initiatives by some cellular providers to get over there. But they're still moving right. forward. But they're still realistic about that, too. Yeah. It's fascinating to see In what... fact, not only realistic, but they're actually 
actively trying to work with them yeah, yeah. to provide a better experience to yeah. their community. Uh, it was pretty fast. So much thought obviously has gone into it. And the whole thing run as a nonprofit is, mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, ISP nonprofit that's built by the community, that would be mm-hmm. a that would be really something special. And so as somebody who's on the boondocks right now. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't pay enough and get good internet. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, without much further ado, should we get into our 10-year-old laptop segment? This, yes, we should. So Noah's been working on his uh, all morning. Mine's off to the side so I can run the visuals here. The idea really was just let's go back in time and see what computers were like. Uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, 10 years ago, uh, I remember a couple of things specifically. Uh, I was I, I was on a System 76 laptop, not mm-hmm. this one, but I was mm-hmm. on a System 76 laptop, and uh, I believe I was running about this time either the final release of uh, Dapper Drake, Ubuntu mm-hmm. 6.06, or I was running a, uh, a beta somewhere in there. It was really close. So mm-hmm. that was my... Uh, that was my. I'm going to go back in time. That was my time capsule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, you, yeah. So ten years, so, ten years ago, you I actually mean, had this guy. Yeah, I had this, this exact laptop. Yeah, and, and in fact, it was interesting because you know I'd started. So we we, deci- we decided that Fedora Core Five was out. So I yeah. had been using Linux for it would have been four years before that was when I when I when I first installed Red Hat and then I followed I tracked the, the Fedora releases. yeah the the Fedora Core releases. But this was the first laptop, and it was interesting because when I bought this laptop. Uh, it was the first laptop that I picked out and purchased, and every component inside I researched the hell out of to make sure that it would work with Linux when it got there. Right. Um, and I go in a little bit into the story uh, cool. during the actual pre-record okay. footage, but of exactly yes. why this laptop is so special. So the way we're structuring this one is separately we recorded our initial experiences with old Linux. I even do my unboxing, uh, and then we recorded separately which modern distro we chose. Mm-hmm. We have not re- we've, we've we've revealed the early distro, but we have not revealed the final distro we, we have gone with to each other. So we're going to do that along with you. So just for a process of order, let's start with uh, my uh, my system came, uh, it showed up as a box, System76, very kindly. We reached out to them and said, hey, uh, I don't exactly have, I have a computer that's nine years old, but I don't have one that's 10 years old. You guys don't have anything in the in the in the old System seventy six archive, do you? And, and so and so Carl actually went to his house to find one. But oh he, really? Yeah, I but, oh, but okay. I, actually I didn't tell you this. But his kids had gotten to it, and like and he's like, "Oh, we have one," but my kids kind of like pulled all the keys off and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, "Is that all right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, dude, it's perfect. Can you get it to us?" And they, I won't ruin it. But uh, okay, are you ready? Yep. Okay, so here I am. This is my uh, unboxing of the uh, this ten year old System seventy six laptop that they they sent me, and I just do want to say special thank you to them for for going out of it, not only digging out all machine like this, but then rush shipping it to me, which probably wasn't wasn't uh, all that cheap, so I really yeah. appreciate it. Okay, here we go. I knew it might be a bit of a challenge to get a 10-year-old computer that works and runs Linux well. I mean, I knew I had them back in the day, but I don't have any around right now. Well, we reached out to System76, and they hooked me up, and a box just arrived with what I believe is a 10-year-old laptop. Let's take a look. Kind of funny, because it comes in a, in a newer System76 box, so it's sort of throws you off, but you open it up, <laughs> it's, got, it's got glitter and a fish. <laughs> uh, happy anniversary, thanks for sending so many fish to our stream. 10 years of last. Oh, look, and they signed it too, that's awesome. Thank you, System76. All right, so here's the rig, you gotta pull it out of there. Boy, look at that thing. It's a bit of a beast. We gotta pull it out of there and uh, see if it boots up. Okay, all right, all right. It's it's a little rough on a few spots. Like, you know, that up there is a little rough and the key's missing. But you know what, for a 10-year laptop, 
what are you gonna expect, right? Look at that, optical media for the win. Now here's what I'm told the details are of this machine. I'm told it is rocking an 80 gigabyte hard drive, spinning I'm sure, two gigabytes of RAM, Hoo Intel Core 2 T7400, which actually doesn't seem that bad, does it? And an Intel 94.5 GM video card. Remember those? With a 32-bit Ubuntu pre-installed. So I'll be reloading it just for the experience. But let's see if it boots up. I've pressed the power button. Uh, yes, there's a power light. We have an Intel logo. It works! <laughs> it works! All right. And uh, this right here is... Uh, let's see, hold on, wait for it. It's going to be Ubuntu. Yeah. I think it's got 1604 on there right now, which is good. It means I'll be able to get 1604 working. Now the question is, is can I get a 10-year-old distro of Linux working? You'd think that would be easy, right? Here it comes. There we go. Okay, the thumb drive is in right there next to the fish. And I wasn't sure if it would actually detect it, but look at that. It sees the uh, Toshiba USB 3.0 device, uh, something tells me those ports though, aren't USB 3.0. So I'm gonna go ahead and hit it, and uh, we should be seeing Dapper Drake's boot menu here. If all goes as well. Hmm. Well, I hear the hard drive clicking away. I think it didn't work. Yeah, I think it's booting the OS. All right, okay. Alright, well, that's alright. It's okay. It's okay. It's just a setback. It's just a setback. I don't even want to admit how long it's been because I'd, it'd be really embarrassing. But it took me a while to track down a, a solid optical media installation trajectory here in the studio. I've opted to go with the Zalman drive after I found the missing USB cord. And I have Ubuntu, can you see it? Right there, 606 selected. I decided to go desktop edition. I've selected CD-ROM. Set the BIOS up, now we're going to do a little reboot thing, and uh, we'll see. This thing has a hard time focusing, right? There it goes. Okay. Okay. There we go. So we want to start or install Ubuntu. Let's go for it. Oh yeah, the old boot. It's actually, I kind of like, I kind of like seeing exactly what it's doing. That's pretty cool. Look at that. And the Zalman is flashing away. Doing a good job. This is actually going, this is, this is going, I would say, faster than the uh, six, than the, uh, the built-in hard drive that came with uh, 1604, which isn't too surprising. All right. Hey, look at all the information you used to get right there. That's wonderful. All right. Okay, so the trackpad is working. Good. Let's go run the install. Oh, the mouse click appears to not be clicking though. Hmm. There we go. This installer kind of doesn't look that much different. Oh, I totally didn't get my location, though. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to be clicking. Oh, but I can tap. Wow, I can tap to click with this 10-year-old thing? <laughs> I 
I don't know why that impresses me. I guess it just does. All right, so we got the time zone set now. Good. Wow. It'd be really nice if I had a mount for this camera. There we go. All right, well, you guys know the drill. I'm going to just go ahead and start the installation, and we'll see how that goes. The only thing I could imagine possibly going wrong would maybe be partitioning or something, but I'm feeling good at this. I'm telling it to go ahead and do the uh, automatic erase. It's going to just do one extended three and one swap. It should be good. Mouse definitely not working, uh, at least not the click click. But you see how worn down that button is right there? It must have worked at some point. <laughs> uh, but tap to click's working, and you know what? I'd probably honestly just rather hook up a second mouse anyways. So I'll, I'll go dig one up while uh, this uh, creates my file system. Extended three, everybody, and uh, prepares the installation. Installation is complete. We are doing our first reboot. Oh, good. It's shutting down also. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to see that. <laughs> also, apparently R-Sync was running on the installer. I, I guess they use R-Sync to install. I don't know what that's about. Shutting down the LVM groups. Please remove the disk. Well, in this case, be removing the USB cord and pressing enter. Okay, I feel good about this. The installation went pretty well. Um, I don't think this should be too tricky. It's an 80 gigabyte IDE hard drive. So the performance of the boot is not going to be all that great because it was booting off of, an S it was installing off of an SSD. Here we go. Kernel 2.6.15, I think, is what I just saw. <laughs> that's, for as an Arch user, that's um, it's a bit of a downgrade. <laughs> but... Uh, Okay, re-enabling files needed to boot. Starting basic networking. See who needs system D. Loading hardware drivers. Setting up LVM groups. Starting enterprise volume management systems. Checking all file systems. Starting PCIMA drivers. Good, good, I got my PCIMA drivers started. Wait for it. Ah, the old login. You know what? That's nice. Look at that, guys with the machine down here. Look at that. I gotta say, I kinda, I kinda, I kinda prefer this. All right, let me log in. Let's, uh, let's give it the old login and see what we get. Do, 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 do. Oh, I'm excited, look at that, look at that. Oh yeah. Gosh, it looks a lot like Matei. Of course, we knew that was gonna happen, right? Hey, the click works now. The click on the mouse works. Well, that's an improvement. Look at that. Huh. Jeez, this menu is just fly open. So we'll launch the text editor and let's launch the turn. Oh wait, no, now the click's not working. Well, okay. Tap to click works though. That terminal launch is pretty quick. I'm gonna play around. Takes here. Uh, so this is running GNOME 2.14.3, which a couple interesting things about that, uh, which by the way is running on top of a uh, yeah, like I saw earlier, 2.6.15 Linux kernel, obviously 32-bit, built on August 3rd. So this is a 16.01 or this, I'm sorry, 16. <laughs> 60. 6.1 version of Ubuntu here that I've got installed. Now, you can see it sees my interface. Well, it sees my uh, my Ethernet, which is plugged in over here, but uh, no network manager, nothing like that. 
So I thought I would set up my networking here in just a moment, but a couple other things I wanted to show you, which are just kind of great. It has game pre-installed. Remember, remember when we called it game? I remember that total ripoff logo of AOL Instant Messenger that it used. Firefox, of course, ships on Ubuntu 16.04, uh, and it is the brand new version that uh, all the kids wanted, version 1.5.0.5. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> 1.5. So that's, uh, I don't know how much uh, browsing I'm going to get once I get my networking interface uh, set up, but I, I was thinking I would maybe try the GUI, inter the GUI tools to set up the networking interface because uh, that's not going to make me want to kill myself. So, uh, oh wait, nope, this is, that's not the right tool. I'm watching this through the camera. So I'm going to go over here to, uh, here we go, networking. And uh, I just recently prompted, I just recently ran it and prompted me for my password. Otherwise it would have come up. So you see, I think it would have asked me. It says that uh, my default gateway device is ETH0 and the uh, ETH0 is active. And enable this, uh, enable this connection is turned on and configure it with DHCP is chosen. So I'm not sure why I don't have an IP address. I deactivate it and activate it. Okay, seems like that right there would have been it asking for an IP address. Let's bring up my terminal here. We'll do a little ifconfig. Oh, I did get an address that time, so I guess I just had to enable and disable it. So now I should be able to ping Google. Oh yeah, look at that. Pinging Google from a 10-year-old install of Linux. Well, 10-year-old software, I guess. So now let's just go see what I can do online, or maybe what I should say can't do online. See how far I can get. It's, it's literally almost pathological. I got an internet connection, and you know what the first thing I thought of? I should update my software. So I started doing it via the command line, and then I thought, wait, why don't I do this the most crucial, crucial, the most brutal, grueling way possible? Let's use the old software UI. So here's the old add remove applications. Remember how much we crap we give the Ubuntu Software Center? <laughs> well, this is what it replaced. Uh, so I'm going to reload the cache, and it says, by the way, you have to have an internet connection to do that. Funny. Um, hmm. Doesn't look like uh, those old repos are up anymore. <laughs> huh. I wonder if anybody out there still has an FTP server up. So I won't be installing any updates. Not not too surprising. Not really too surprising. I wonder what's in the good old internet category. Maybe another web browser. Suppose they got Chrome in there. Oh, BitTorrent is installed. Ecogia Epiphany web browser. That's gonna work great. GFTP Kmail. Capete's still in there, K-Torrent, some, some classics still in there, wow. And XChat. All right, well, that's about as far as I got. Now I'm going to really try to get to the internet and see how horrible There's, that is. There's, you know, tons of sites you could go to. The first one I thought would be fun would be go to the Jupyter Broadcasting website because I kind of know what to expect. The first thing I noticed is responsive design uh, does not work. So I guess it just defaults. Look at the, Actually, it's not so bad. It's In its own way, it's not so bad. Let's go see what happens when we go to a TechSnap video. Uh, we're waiting, but you really get to see the full URL. Okay, so it's, it's complaining about HTTPS having no common encryption algorithm. Okay. Our videos have a huge X on them. <laughs> That's probably no good. <laughs> I think my best bet's going to be downloading the file. Let's download the HD version and see how this computer does on playback. Uh, good old days of Linux. Okay, so I've got this uh, MP4 file downloaded. I don't have anything installed other than stock stuff right now, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, double-click the file. Oh, mm, Totem cannot play. And this, uh, look at this. This was before the Codec Wizard. 
Okay. There you go. And uh, by the way, I just checked in the uh, repo too. VLC is not in the repo for this version. This will be interesting to see how that stacks up when it comes time to load a more modern custom build of Linux on here. You know, I'll have to be honest. I was more impressed than I thought I would be. I just found OpenOffice 2.0 right here. Uh, but you know what? You know what stands out is if I could just go get the latest Firefox or even a, a recent build that has modern web support. Uh, this would be a usable system. Uh, like, some things are nice. Like, why isn't this done better? Like, I went up to system settings and shared folders, and as soon as I launched it, it said, hey, would you like to set up Samba or NFS? So I don't know if this is actually going to work because the repos again. But, yeah, it I don't think it will. But the idea of just, like, hey, you got to do this, it's kind of... Not enough distros do that anymore. This is really the this is really the sticky point. Is all of this stuff is is online, and so if you're really going to do this, you would really have to have your own repo. But the tools are like what we would expect, and some of them even surprised me. I don't know why, but I was surprised to see that GNOME Shell, even back in the day, had tab support. Tabs in my in my GNOME Shell. Oh, I guess it's not GNOME Shell. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. In the old GNOME 3, nope, nope, GNOME 2, GNOME 2 desktop. It's not Mate, it's GNOME 2. Okay, well that was fun, but I, I, uh, I'm curious to see how far I could get this thing if I actually installed modern software on it. All right, so now that's where I'm going to stop because I don't, I don't want to reveal what I decided to do. Are you ready? Without further ado, well, to no, play I'm, your I'm not actually. I have to make a disclaimer. You, okay, you, you did a way better job. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like here's the thing. Like, I, I, I didn't realize we we're going like that in depth. Yeah. Well, I just felt like if I was going to go back and that's okay because it, it actually it would probably yeah, be repetitive if you did it twice. So yeah, it's probably yeah. Fine but that we did as, it as I was filming, I was like, all right, here's a crappy old operating system that no one would use, and we just did for the episode. <laughs> all right, on to the good part. All right, here we go. Well, now with that setup, Noah, I can't wait to see it. It's gonna be a real a real winner. <laughs> Thanks. I'm in my wheelhouse when it comes to older hardware. And this is not just any piece of older hardware. This isn't a machine I pulled out of a closet. This is not a machine I had shipped me from a company who's well known for its ability to make excellent Linux running hardware. No, this is the first laptop that I picked out and purchased on my own. Um, it was back when I was in high school and I had almost no money to my name because I was working for $5.15 an hour at a help desk. I couldn't afford the Pentium, so I ordered it with the Intel Celeron. I couldn't afford the built-in Wi-Fi, so I had to substitute for this D-Link PCMCAA card. Um, but I remember tracking it on FedEx until it arrived at my house. <clears throat> I remember cutting class in high school, driving home uh, to go sneak it out of the house and take it back to, to school with me. And then I remember holding it under the desk and trying to get familiar with it and learn it and, of course, installing Linux on it. Um, it was actually the first laptop that I ever installed Linux. And... So, quite appropriately, I dug it back out to do the 10-year anniversary of the Linux Action Show. Now, I, for purposes of review, I am started with Ubuntu 16, or 604. Excuse me. It's probably not what I was using. In fact, I can almost say definitively, other than trying it, I probably did not use it as a, as a, as a, I definitely didn't use it as a daily driver, and I probably didn't even use it all that much. The first thing that you notice here on the screen is that the resolution is very low. It's like, you know, 640 by 480. This is something that we take for granted nowadays. Being able to click all the way through the installer because the resolution supports it is something that you really wouldn't think twice of. But back in 2006, this is something that we fought on a daily basis. And if by some miracle your resolution worked, then you started praying for networking. And oh, yes, networking works. Then you started praying for sound. And, and by the time you got to sound, you're like, well, 
as long as networking works and the display works, I don't even I don't need sound. I could live without it. It just it'd be kind of like icing on the cake, right? And suspend was just that was totally off the table. You just didn't expect your laptop to suspend when you closed the lid. And so going from that back then in 2006 to today, where we have where a laptop will basically do all of the things right out of the box, and when they don't work, we get you know very upset and open bug reports because hey, the laptop isn't working correct. Um, seems like there's a huge contrast. I kind of stuck up on you. <laughs> hey, you know, it's kind of funny. I was, I was about halfway through as I'm watching it. I'm like, wait, oh, oh, wait, we cut the video. This is where it ends. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's going to go. I was like, expecting to be a few more minutes. I was eating yeah, some apple pie. Sorry, like I said, you filmed a little more than I did. Okay. It's good. Yeah. But we we can move it on. We can move along. I just could have you could have let me know before I decided to eat the apple pie. Then. Wait, I didn't really think about it until we got Okay, that's okay. It's the tenth anniversary. We're breaking format. It doesn't matter. We're not following. There's no no schedule. Okay, we don't have to do clean video cuts. So um, now I want to talk to you, Noel. Okay, I want to take a minute with you and talk about what you think would be the right distro to run on these old things. Okay. Um, obviously, uh, I looked at a few things. I looked at. Uh, I looked at uh, 1604. Okay. My first, my first plan actually was uh, 1604 um, server. Really? And then I was going to uh, not Arch, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, just because. Um, well, even I thought about Arch. The AUR and building stuff would just take forever on an old machine like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I just then I then I thought better and realized that I didn't want to do Ubuntu, and mm-hmm. uh, so then I, I downloaded the Antigross ISO. Oh. Which uh, has an XFCE option, mm-hmm. and I promptly did not use it. I did not use it. Good. I just yeah. Good. You I, know, I think that's terrific. There's something I I wanted to do for a long time. Is do you remember Crunchbang Linux? Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Yeah yeah yeah. 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 Well, it went away a couple of years ago, and in its place, uh, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, was Bunsen Labs, uh, and it's a pretty slick looking distro, uh-huh. it, and uh, it ships with OpenBox. It's based on Debbie and Jesse. And uh, it has some scripts that make using it crazy easy. So I decided to go with uh, Bunsen Labs. So, yeah. So, interestingly enough, when I pulled this out of my closet, mm-hmm. Crutch Bang. Really? That's what I had on it. Yep. So, uh, before we reveal yours, here's my big, here's uh, more info on my, uh, my, uh, my big reveal. went with Bunsen Labs. This is the hydrogen release, which is based on Debbie and Jesse. I just finished installing... And it's kind of nice. It's a really slick, clean, open box desktop with a nice pre-configured conky. And you can see here on my first boot, after installing, I'm using 138 megabytes of RAM, which is great since I've only got, well, according to this, 1.47 gigs to work with. It's got Ice Weasel uh, up here. Don't call it Firefox. It's Ice Weasel. As well, of course, as the file manager, which the file manager is pretty nice. As you might guess, it's a nice lightweight file manager based on Thunar. What is Thunar? <laughs> and uh, it launches really nice and quick. In fact, everything's pretty nice and pretty snappy. So yeah, I'm gonna run through this, uh, what, there it is. I'm gonna run through this little script they've set up here. This is a welcome script that says, hi Chris F, look at them using my username. Welcome to Business Labs Linux. This is an optional post-installation script designed to help you configure your new Linux installation and get the most out of Business Labs. Buns and so labs. I'm gonna hit continue. Uh, so it wants to know my password, and I have a <laughs> test password that I've put on here, so I actually have no concerns typing this in or anything like that, because it's, I don't know if I typed it right, because I did not, because this is just something we use for testing. Just for these, just for these types of purposes. No, oh, thank you. Okay, so it wants to know, uh, 
While FOSS is primarily about freedom of choice, certain choices are known to carry an increased risk of breaking things in business labs. Bouncing labs! Uh, two of the riskier things are adding Ubuntu PPAs and unknown trusted repos uh, to your Etsy source list and installing packages that wants a newer version of libc6. More information on some of the riskier things than, than the above included can be found on their wiki page or on Debian's. Now that's interesting that they're specifically calling that out. Type in I understand to continue. Oh, jeez. Okay. One-handedly. I understand. I wonder if it has to be in quotes. Okay, something's happening. It's checking my internet connection. Great. Oh, yeah. Let's go ahead and update my software sources. I mean, this is nice, right? Especially if you're not command line uh, savvy, but you... So you might not be inclined to do these things if there's not a GUI tool. And so instead of them having to create a GUI tool, why not a nice-to-use bash script? I think that's actually pretty clever. You can see it seems like it's working pretty good. This is the nice thing about it being Debian, right? Yeah, so let's go ahead and do the upgrade. So it's now doing an app get upgrade for me. Looks like it's going to pull in about uh, 9 megs worth of stuff. Not too bad on a 80 gig hard drive. It just did one uh, main partition and a swap. It asked and during installation if I'd like to have var and temp and uh, home and whatnot on their own partitions, but I figured for 80 gigs, yeah, I just don't really want to fiddle with it. Plus, this is really more about testing. Oh, there we go. Getting the latest uh, updates downloaded right now. This is pretty cool. I'll check back in if anything remarkable happens. Here's something that's unremarkable. It takes forever to unpack on the spinning disk. Don't miss this at all. I do see VLC going by, though, which makes me suspect my media test is going to go a little better on this install. Oh, as soon as the package update quit, we got right back to business. It did a laptop check, and it says this seems to be a laptop computer. Uh, would you like to add the backport repository to upgrade to the XFC Power Manager? This will, this will add an improved battery icon to the system tray. You know what? Solid upgrade. Yes, I would like that. <laughs> there we go. I like that they detect they did a laptop check in all in all uppercase too. <laughs> laptop check. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad. So now I've got a better battery icon, which this one didn't seem that bad. It was nice and clean, but oh. You know, there's, the new one is more functional, I suppose. Maybe it will be. I don't know. We'll find out. Very exciting. I just got checked. The laptop is warming up as the script goes along, and now it's asking if I'd like uh, LibreOffice and additional backgrounds. I'm going to go ahead and say no to that. No to printer support. Java. No. No, I'm happily going to say no to that, actually. Backports repository. Now, this is interesting. They say the backports are packages taken from the next Debian release. You know, that does sound like my thing, right? They're not tested as extensively. Well, that's not really what I'm going for here, but I actually feel like Debian's backports are probably safer than some distro-stable releases. That's probably not true, but that's how I feel. Okay, so so far the script's kind of handy, I would say. I want to jump in and start using the desktop now. Would you like the Flash plugin? Yeah, all right. Okay, okay, whoa, oh my gosh. Now we've got choices. Wow, this is, uh, I got Pepper Flash, or I can do Adobe Flash Player. Mm. Well, you know what, we're gonna go for A for Adobe. Check that out. Okay, these guys are on top of their stuff. They're making this ready for the end user, even, even though they don't have GUIs to do it all. They're making it easy. Bum, bum, bum. Just had a few more questions. Uh, and like, do I want to install developer tools? Do I want to use some Debian 
Codex Shenanigans, and this is finished. Thank you for using Bunsen Labs. If you have any questions or feedback, visit us on our website. It's BunsenLabs.org. There you guys go. There's the desktop. And uh, just to uh, prove it to everybody, I'm going to launch Firefox right there. I can click it. It's the X web browser when you mouse over it, and then once it launches, okay, and you can hear it loading. Four or five, okay, five seconds or so. So there you go. Don't call Firefox, call it Ice Weasel. And it's not going to be the latest and greatest version. Let's go pull up the about here. So about Ice Weasel 38.80. Definitely way better than what we had under Ubuntu 606. So I'm going to go try out the uh, Jupyter Broadcasting website test and see how the download goes. Okay, obviously the site renders properly. We'll do the HD file download. I doubt it's going to work. I don't think the playback is going to be smooth enough. Um, seems like that's probably asking too much. Although, look, HTML5 video seems to be working okay. I'm going to give it a go. We'll see what happens. I'll save this, and I'll come back to you when it uh, downloads. I bet the uh, smaller links would download, but this is more of a test than anything else of uh, how well the machine plays HD video and if there's any additional stuff that needs to be done to make codecs work. Again, we're just kind of comparing out-of-box from... 2006 to 2016. Okay, the moment of truth. This is a funny usability test because Codex was such a big deal back in the day. So it's just such a simple way to quickly test it. Uh, I noticed they got two players, the BL Media Player and VLC Media Player. Let's see what happens when we do BL Media Player without me having to do much other than running their welcome script. Okay, I've clicked it. I've initiated the launch sequence. You can tell because the drive's flashing like crazy. Wow, look at that, it's playing. Coming up on this week's episode of TechSnap, the bloatware that wow. shows on those new PCs is way, way worse than you probably thought. <laughs> Internet connected Talking about bloatware on new PCs being played back on a 10-year-old PC. <laughs> so this looks like a fork of VLC is what this is. Yeah, it even says VLC Media Player right there. So BL Media Player and VLC, I don't quite know what the point of that is, but I'll try it in VLC just for, look at that. HD playback. On this week's episode of TechSnap, the bloatware that ships on those new PCs is way, wow. way worse. I'm really, I am really surprised by that. I actually just thought that they would be all a chop show. I don't remember being able to play HD playback uh, on computers as sold. Although, you know what? Uh, I take that back. Core 2 Duo. Yeah. Okay, maybe so. Maybe so. Either way. Uh, I never got a chance to try Crunchbang, but boy, Bunsen Labs. This looks like a great distro for a lightweight installation. I, I was really, I, I ended up really thinking uh, this was the perfect laptop for somebody who, if, if portability and mobility isn't the core thing you need out of a computer, and you need, you're somebody who would maybe be considering a Chromebook, you could totally go with this laptop instead. Like with, <laughs> seriously. No, it's, it's, it sounds crazy. What are you laughing about? Like, the Chromebooks, you don't need to go spend, don't spend $300, $400 on a brand new Chromebook. Go spend. 150 Okay. Go spend 30 on something. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a bad pitch. I don't know, dude. Hey, like, My $30 Raspberry Pi has more power than that thing does. Dude, that thing was doing HD video play. Oh, Actually, man. once I got uh, uh, Bunsen Labs, <laughs> or also known as Business Labs, you know installed what? Hey, it stuff. Be, it wouldn't be a 10th anniversary episode if you didn't mispronounce them. Hey, didn't that thing, that's true. Didn't that Firefox launch way faster than it's loaded yes. on your... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. the System76 kicks this thing well, up and down. That, that also, I think, yeah. uh, Bunsen Labs is is pretty legit. If, if yeah. I was actually going to try to use it for myself, I might be more tempted to do Ubuntu Mate 
1604. Or, honestly, what I was going to do when I did Anagross is mm-hmm. I was going to install i3. And that was going to be... Yeah. 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 I, you know, I thought about that, too. It just it was like, well, it's, it seems kind of cheating to yeah. drop it down so far. Yeah. So I... But i3 was... Uh, all right. So you ready to do your reveal? I am. Okay. Here we go. Without further ado, it's uh, Noah's reveal. I don't know yet. This is exciting to see. What distro did Noah choose? Nobody will ever guess. For the second part of the episode, <laughs> Chris and I decided that we were going to choose a modern operating system that we could run on this old hardware. Now, I'm sure this won't come as a terrible big surprise to most of the people that know me, but an operating system that I thought would work well in 2016 but still be lean and powerful enough to run on this older hardware was... CentOS. Oh, I chose to go with CentOS 6, which is one version below the absolute latest because I like to stay at that really nice, stable zone um, and not necessarily be on the bleeding edge. That, and I thought that the addition of GNOME 3 was a little bit heavy for the integrated graphics of 2006. CentOS 6 seems to be running fairly well. I have a web browser that I can use. Obviously, I have my terminal and an email client, which means I could actually use this as a daily driver. So much so, I think I'm going to use it for the rest of this week's episode. You are, actually. And I am actually using it. Not only am I using it, I'm using it to administrate things for JB. Like, for example, I don't know if we're screening calls or not, but I'm ready to switch. Yeah, well, in the feedback saying, we'll totally take some calls. Yeah. Wow. I got to say, dude, I'm, uh, I'm... I so CentOS, you got which version of Firefox is on there? Can you about yeah, that sucker sure real quick? I can. It's actually called Firefox too, which is, is. Uh, a nice touch. It's one of the newer ones because it's got everything under the hamburger menu. You know what? I was I was waiting for people to make fun of me because if you guys start, eventually what this is going to devolve into You're is you're using I'm, it for a month. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna use it for like a long time. You don't for, don't because don't you know it's so slow the menu's not even coming up right now. Okay, quiet. Did you click it already? I don't. Is this what I want to click? Yes, on? you click that because it, there's there are there are yeah. You know, it's yeah, you know, there's there's some commitment here to do this. Okay, I click on something, it's going to be a while. Whoa, forty five point two. Whoa, boom. All right, all right, all right. Okay, and like uh, yes, it did take me about you know fifteen minutes to get a URL type. But honestly, I mean, look at this. This is not that unresponsive. Uh, we have um, an interview that Noah just did recently while he was at Self. I want to play that, and then we have. Uh, some embarrassing outtakes that yeah. we're going to show you guys. So, th- of course, when you're working on a lot of content like this, inevitably things go wrong. That just happens. Yep. So, before we get to that, though, let's play this interview that you did while itself. One of many, I'm sure, will be seen soon. One of many, but definitely my favorite. This one's sort of this one's sort of special for it being the the 10th anniversary because you know a lot of times you, when you think about the Linux Action Show audience, you might have a certain stereotype in your head. Mm-hmm. So that's why I thought this is kind of a this is kind he of. He was funny. not alive when you did the first episode of Less. Huh? Well, that's okay. I'm glad Well, let's talk about that. So, walking around the floor, sometimes you run into some of the absolute coolest people, and the age range of these people absolutely shock me sometimes. Do you want to tell everyone what your name is? My name is Carter, and I'm seven years old. You're seven years old, and I hear that you watch the Linux Action Show. I do. Of course you do. And uh, what started your interest in Linux? I don't know. One time I just um, went into my mom's sister's bedroom, Mm -hmm. and I heard um, my dad um, um, and my sister um, in my sister's bed Mm -hmm. um, watching the Linux action show, and I asked my dad, what's Linux? And he told me, so after that I'm just interested in Linux. Yeah? And have you had a lot of time to play with Linux? No, not usually, because I just got out of school, so I've been doing mostly homework, homework, and homework. Well, that's good. (laughs) 
that is that is a great interview, uh, and it was pretty cool. So he stopped by. I guess he's pretty excited to see the booth. Seven years old, literally was not born when we started the show, right. and, and now wants to switch to Linux. Yeah, but and the, the thing is, like, he, they, he, him and his sisters, they go to sleep at night watching the Linux Action Show. That's pretty adorable. So for all I know, like right now. We could be putting them to sleep. So uh, I think we should uh, do live calls in a little bit. Okay. Uh, so I'll put the. But it's going to be a couple of minutes because I also want to play the outtakes. And we also do we have something else in the feedback segment we wanted to do? It seemed like we did. Um. Yeah. I've got one thing that was that was going to go on some episode. It wasn't oh, wait, no, we had the uh, things that have changed and haven't changed right. last 10 years. Yeah, so you get, get that, that ready while I'll get the outtakes ready. That's what it was. And then we'll take calls. All right. So uh, here we go. This was some of the moments that it didn't go as well as we were hoping. <laughs> and it just it happens from time to time, especially when you're working with a team of people, when people work together. We've made it successfully to Orcus oh, Island. Hold on, hold on. What, bro? What? Little, bro, what is it? It's a little loud. Don't you see your levels? Hey. How'd ah, you smell that? The fresh seawater. Yeah, we've made it to Orcas Island. It was a great ferry ride. And uh, Orcas Island is pretty neat. There's just deer everywhere. We've already seen some on our way in. Not a lot. We've seen some. And we're in downtown, really. What is considered downtown for Orcas Island? And we're going to meet up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, are you good? You good? Well, I think I am. You know. All right, so here, I'm going to Okay, you ready? No, are you good? Are, are you good? Have I made noise? Oh, yeah, good. <laughs> I only do that when we're on air. Come on. All right. Uh, you ready? Ready when you are, chief. Hey, well, hold on. Before you start, how do you put this thing on auto? I don't want to have to mess with that. Um. I don't know. I've never done auto. Okay, you're on, chief. <laughs> Can't get much better for it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's a good spot. <laughs> exactly. I'm in my wheelhouse when it comes to older hardware, and this isn't just any piece of. Hello, Ubuntu. I'm in my wheelhouse. I'm in my wheelhouse when it comes to older hardware, and this is not just any piece of older hard. Are you done? How about things like crypt setup, things that allow me to encrypt my thumb drive that I keep to keep all my private data encrypted? Will I be able to use those things on about to touch? Uh, I don't really encrypt, so I'm not 100% sure on that one. That's unprofessional. Minor detour here. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the drone operator forgets about trees, so the drone took a bit of a spill. We're gonna go see if we can recover it and get the SD card. How's it going there, Noah? I'm uh, going back and forth about feeling horribly bad about dropping the drone and not enjoying getting eaten by trees. That's the drone. The propeller is still going. Yeah, I told you it's still going. It's trying so hard. Oh. 
Did you find it? <clears throat> Just kind of have to bust your way through. What's the damage? It's all in one piece. <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> wow. Some epic footage there. That is, that's the best kind of outtake ever. <laughs> So that was, you know, that, that was extremely embarrassing. That moment, <laughs> that that moment is is a is a is a pinnacle staple in my life. It that happened the same way that all bad things in my life happen, and that is with somebody challenging me or something. <laughs> you know? So so we're sitting there. I'm flying this drone, and I'm getting what I think is decent footage. And Chris is looking over my shoulder. And he's like, you know, it'd be sweet so if you could get like a if you could like pivot around that thing, and like we have an app, we could break out, you know, and we could do this on an app. I'm like, no. No, I can do it. Watch. And and I'm playing, I'm like, and he's like, you're not getting it. I'm like, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And then about the time when he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you got it. 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 And all of a sudden, other Chris yells, tree, tree, stop. And then all of a sudden, we just hear. <laughs> it's also extra embarrassing because uh, Chris, our host there himself, is a drone enthusiast, flies very fast, very sports like drones. He races them. With VR goggles. Yeah. So we looked like a couple of amateurs. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you guys, you guys can't fly in a circle, yeah. a stationary circle with objects that don't move. Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, that was pretty embarrassing. The drone, however, uh, survived. I, I have a newfound respect for DJI. It Nothing is, was damp. I mean, there was a couple little scratches on it, but it is exhibiting a few um, issues. Oh, really? Yeah, the video feed cuts out from time to time now, but it still records everything, so that's good. Um, all right, so you have a list that you were supposed to be preparing during right. that clip. Well, I prepare my list. By the way. That would be great to post those. I don't know. Those outtakes might be hard to post separately, but they might be worth just catching the show on to see those on the uh, on the video version if you're watching, if you're listening yep. on audio. Uh, okay, so things that, should we start with things that have stayed the same? Yeah. Okay, so, okay, so things that have stayed the same. For one, is we still make elephants out of mosquitoes. You know, when it comes to the community and issues that transpire in the community, and, you know, Rakai and I were literally st sitting on the couch and, like, simultaneously, I phrased it, I think I came up with the elephants out of mosquitoes things, but simultaneously, I'm saying that, and and Rakai's like people still make big deals out of nothing, uh, and yeah. and and you know that seems to be true. Wi-Fi is still as suspenseful as a horror film when you're booting up for the first time in your in your laptop. Um, yeah, okay, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. X yeah, session, true. you still if you left uh, if you left that video on from last night and you get to work the next day and your yeah, screen's X is locked, still, X is still. you can't mute it. Or or for yeah. me, the other one that drives me crazy uh, is the. Flash video or playback video always tears and oh, X. Yeah. That still drives yeah. me crazy. Um, and uh, and finally, with the exception of Arch, really we have the same uh, distro base. I mean, there are, there are minor ones that have popped up, but we still have Fedora. We still have I mean Fedora, Debian, Ubuntu. I mean, ten years ago, the main players back then are still kind of the main players now. The, the exception, notable exception, being Arch. Yeah, I guess that's true. And also, what's interesting about that, I guess you could say maybe more. There's more Ubuntu than Debian. Then uh, then there's probably more Debian yeah. back in the day. Uh, yeah, there's been some interesting platform changes amongst them and mm -hmm. strategy changes. And in some, some people are even kind of going back. Like in some ways, Fedora is re-looking at that whole core strategy. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so things that have been different, and I mean, obviously the differences outweigh the the same, which is to be expected. But um, packages are coming off the internet now instead of discs, right? There was a time when we installed all of our packages off of CDs, and we thought that was normal. Now we just kind of get them off the internet. And adding to that, there's an expectation now for the internet to be there. You have all of these internet-connected things, and they work because we we have an expectation that we're always going to have an active internet connection. The Linux has changed in that Linux has become the de facto standard now for yeah. almost everything. So when you go by, you know, you ran one of the first Linux action shows, you talked about TiVo, right? And and that was novel to you, that, that Linux was running on this set-top box. Remember what a big deal the TiVoization of Linux was? We had a verb for it. The TiVoization of Linux, uh, right. Linux being used in these set-top boxes, that, you know, that was a big deal back then. Mm-hmm. It was. And now... Now Android. And it would be funny. Yeah, which is Linux. It would be funny. I know, but it's just it's it's come it's 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 so much further. It's 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 the adoption at the hardware level with people building commercial software off it is so mm-hmm. much more than we fathomed ten years ago. Yes, yeah, so it becomes yeah. the the go to choice. Things have moved off premise. So even in the realm of JB, right? Like the majority of the heavy lifting nowadays is not being done in this room. It's being done on on cloud and VPS providers and 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 other companies and stuff. And we have essentially outsourced a lot of that. And uh, and with that comes more community uh, involvement. The community has taken a much larger role hmm. nowadays. You have a lot of projects, like Kickstarter. The idea, the, the, mm. the fundamental idea, yeah, of crowdfunding, yeah, yeah, has has come up. Patreon. Patreon is another great example, but just the community has taken a much more predominant role inside of the Linux ecosystem. And I was a little hesitant to put this in there, but Rakai talked me into it. Um, OLPC has revolutionized uh, the Linux PC for kids in the last 10 years. Yeah, (laughs) they they weren't around 10 years. Hey, you from the studio said, don't argue with the beard, Noah. He knows what's good for you. So I put it in there. Oh, I don't deny that they're, they've been important. A revolutionize? I would say Chromebooks have I might, done... My, Chromebooks my, and tablets, in. maybe. I mean, the, I think the OLPC was a super awesome idea. And that mm-hmm. if Chromebooks and subsidized hardware hadn't come along like it had... Uh, it, it would be just absolutely vital. I still think it's super vital in mm-hmm. some of the areas we talked about during our Linux Fest coverage around the world. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, abroad. <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, all right, okay, all right, okay. Um, and lastly, <laughs> and this one I don't miss, we've gone from optical media to USB. And boy, was that the, one of the most apparent things in this recent little round the, uh, we did of installing old distros. Mm-hmm. These old ISO images aren't laid out to be written to a USB drive. They expect to go on op- optical media, and if you want to put them on USB media, you have to run specific scripts that move the files over. And there's things like Fedora Live, uh, CD Creator, and Make ISO scripts, and things like that. But it was these things were meant to be on optical media back in the day. And that is a huge change. The other big change along with that, you kind of touched on it earlier, is the distro software applications were often set to look at local media first, and would ask you to put in the CD when you would do a package search and stuff. That was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are pretty good ones. There's probably, you know, we probably could have a whole list. In fact, maybe we could cover more on Linux Unplugged, or if you guys have an idea at linuxactionshow.reddit.com. Uh, what else has changed in the last 10 years? Yeah. A lot oh, of I'm sure the list is, you know, yeah. you know infinite. But. All right. So are you call screening over there? Do you have the call screening? Yeah, we are We are set to call. We have okay. a call sc- screen. I don't know if you've got Slack open. Uh, oh, I don't. Do I need to? Well, do I need probably, to? You probably want to do that. So we oh, gee. See, look at you making me use a proprietary Listen, uh, application. Sir, on... I, I'm just saying that you wow. might want to know who's calling. Wow. And it's okay if you want to take wow. a blind. I'll look and then. So, uh, yeah. No, the, call, the lines are the lines officially open. I don't see I just any. I pulled a Stallman oh. on you. What was that? 
is I have you. Yeah, everyone call. So that well, you didn't tell them the number. One eight seven seven three four seven zero zero one one. One eight seven seven three four seven zero zero one one. If you'd like to call in to the Linux Action Show and ask us anything over about the last ten years, uh, that would be fine by us. So I don't see anybody anything here from Rotten. Is he going to be? Yeah, he's right. no, he's here. He's waiting for. All right, put it in the last waiting. next thread. Right now, he's on. sitting there waiting to take calls. He's like, "Hey guys, our operators are standing by. Yeah, they are. They're to waiting. Take your call. You want to talk about Linux? We can talk about Linux." So uh, I've been, you know, experimenting with that drone a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I did try out that app that does yeah. the. Uh, yeah, you told me. You said yeah. it works really. In fact, oh, it I think does. You sent me footage. No, you showed it footage. Oh, okay. Last okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it it works pretty slick. And and so next time, next time, really, we would probably if we were doing this over again in a year or so, we'd probably get the Phantom Four, mm-hmm. which has collision detection. Right. Which would avoid. But the you realize problem. if you if we get out there and you're like, hey, no, now you won't crash the drone because it has collision detection. I'm you're gonna, gonna try collision, to crash it. No, I'm gonna turn yeah. collision detection yeah. off and be like, here, watch, I can yeah. do it without collision detection. So uh, the number again is one eight seven. Seven seven three four seven zero zero one one, and I'll put it in the chat room too if you guys want to call in. I was thinking about I was thinking back over the last ten years, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I guess maybe I'd take a moment just to thank a few people mm-hmm. um, while we wait for people to call in. So first of all, I'll say thanks to Matt and Brian, former co-hosts of the show, who worked with me for a long time. But I also I wanted to say a special thank you to uh, really the production staff mm-hmm. and to Rikai. Um, Weird. For coming on, and to you too. Uh, this show has this show has always been a phenomenal amount of work, and so uh, the last year and a half, and so that you've been here, it has been the least amount of work that it's ever been for me, mm-hmm. and it's been a lot more fun. There was a time where every single line in the doc was all my input, and it just was exhausting to do that all every single weekend. So that you know, a lot of times when you pre-shoot something or work on the the show notes with me, it's such a it's it's nice because it means I can have a few minutes on a Saturday and not be worrying if we're lined up and ready to go. Yeah, in fact, I I sorry I keep bringing this up on the air, but I just think it's so funny. We we got to a Friday night or no Saturday night Saturday night very <laughs> yeah, late okay. in a Saturday night. Yeah, mind classic you. story now. And uh, and we had uh, simple note did not sync up correctly, so I did not get Chris's notes and he didn't get mine. Um, and both of us got to like 12.30 on Saturday night and we're like, well, the other guy didn't do the show. Guess better make a show. And we both of us came up with an entire show. And then we got to Sunday and figured it out what had happened. And Chris is like, I already have notes. And I'm like, oh. And then we ended up merging them and it ended up being a great show. But it was just – it was kind of funny because it was like, oh, we can get to the very last moment. And one way or another, even with no communication – one way or another, we're going to have a show on Sunday. Yeah, that is nice. Uh, so I guess some, I guess we're having live stream problems too. So some people are having an issue actually staying up. So they don't even know we're asking them to call in right now. And the Rodden's having some issues too. Oh, so. uh, but I also also I'll finish off some a couple of my thanks just really briefly. Uh, I want to say thank you to my family. Uh, my my entire family really almost makes every episode possible. I don't have a specific example because it happens every single week and it has for the last ten years to Angela and Hadia and my kids. Uh, like just today, for example, to to shoot all of the stuff that we did yesterday with the ten year old laptop. Uh, my lady Hadia ha- took the kids because uh, the kids are with me on the weekend and they stayed up and did a whole bunch of activities. She kept them entertained and busy while I came down here and worked on a Saturday night, and then Sunday morning, Angela came out here to pick them up, and everybody worked and coordinated to make sure that the show prep didn't miss a beat because this was a special episode. And it's always been really sort of the final enabler has been everybody to helping with that part. So every from the production staff to the family, I just wanted to say thank you for uh, making the shows possible for the last 10 years. Um, and of course, a huge thank you to the audience. Uh, I think one of the things we've been able to do that larger podcast networks that maybe don't cover Linux and that kind of stuff uh, don't get to do is have just sort of an unfeathered uh, you go oh, you get the music nice 
calling in. Oh, you can hear that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oops. Uh, no, that's all right. <laughs> uh, you know, we were able to... We were able to have, I think because of the niche we cover, a, a really great community. And to be able to do things like our virtual lug or open up the phone lines and, and talk to you guys and, and pretty much always have the confidence to know that th- what you have to say is just as, in- as insightful and interesting as anything we could hope to come up with. Uh, and so that's been really extremely rewarding over the last 10 years is making some really great connections. Uh, you know, just a couple of names like Noah here is talking to Rotten Corpse. Well, both Noah and Rotten Corpse are from the community, right? And yeah. Rikai, he came from the community as well. And so it's sort of been pretty neat to work with folks that we start out, you know, they work with us in the community as a, at a certain level, and then they just, the, the positions just sort of build and roll over the years. And uh, it's really organic, mm-hmm. and it's become really genuine, and it's, I think it's a pretty cool advantage that JB has now 10 years in. So even if we can't make calls, and even well, if we still have to suffer from Comcast outages, yeah, those things haven't changed either. This. Let's switch back to, um, to, to ringing in here, and you sign in, okay. and we'll see if we can take them directly. I'm All not right. sure, I, not uh, sure what's going Do on. I need to log out? No, or? you should be good. Okay, yeah. So if you guys want to try calling again, the, uh, we just call right in. Call right in. Call, call now. Uh, yeah, because usually, so when, you, so when you called in, it rang through? Well, I get to the whole. I get. I'm in the call queue because I can hear the the hold music. But um, Rotten saying when he picks up, he can't hear anything. And that my, my suspicion is it's something on on his config side. You know, if his audio thing isn't set up right. Or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got our first caller coming in. We got our first caller here. It comes. Uh, hello, caller. You're on the air with Chris and Noah. Who is it? Um, it's Joel. Hello, Joel. Hey, Joel. hey thanks for calling us. How are you doing? Hey. Um, so um, I'm doing fine. Um, I happy tenth anniversary to you guys. Thank you, sir. And um, I run in on occasion. Um, my main OS is Windows. Sorry, Noah. <laughs> uh oh. Hold on. Hold on. That's we got another caller in now. Yeah, Let's we do. See if I could. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, caller. You're on the air. Who is it? Who is it? Uh, hello, it's Bitten or Luna from there. See channel. Hello, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. Hey, you're not running Windows, are you? No. No, I'm not. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, do you have anything you want to ask before I hang up on your face? No, not the moment. No, yeah, all right. Well, thanks for calling. Yeah, bye. thank you, sir. Have a great bye. one. All right, I'm going back to our other. Okay, are you still there? Oh, jeez. I'm gonna hang up on him because we got another caller coming in. Okay, hello. You're on the air with Chris and Noah. Welcome to Linux Action Show. What's your name? Hey, this is Sweet Lou. Hey, hey Sweet Lou. I know Sweet Lou in running Windows. What's going on, Sweet Lou? What are you up to? Do I sound like a robot? No, today? we got no, we got the robot thing taken care of. I I hired a guy. He went back in time. He protected a girl. Oh, hold on, I got another call, sweet Lou. Thanks for calling in. Hello, you're on the Linux Action Show. What's your name? Uh oh. Hi there. Welcome hello, to Linux hello. Action you're show. on the Linux Action Show. What's your name? Hey, this is JB Hockey Truth. Hey, hey JB Hockey Truth. Hello, Mr. Hockey Truth. How's it going? What are Good. you up to? <laughs> now, do you have Actually, yourselves, uh, you see, J.B. Hockatruth, people that don't watch the live stream might not know, but some of our great titles have come from J.B. Hockatruth in the mm-hmm. chat room. So it's it's actually, oh, jeez. J.B. Hockatruth, do you have anything you wanted to say before uh, we go? just wanted to say you guys have a, I've actually seen, I think, every single episode. I started back in 2008. 2007, when you guys just started, just want to say, keep up the great work. It's awesome. Thank you, sir. I appreciate, really appreciate that. It. Uh, all right, so we got people. Oh, let's see. Okay, uh, let's see here. Let's go. Hello, you're on the air with Chris and Noah. Who's this? Who is it? Oh. No, nope, uh, this is this is the ass to the wit. <laughs> yeah, this is Astrid. <laughs> Hello, Astrid. How you doing, man? I was just thinking about you the doing other day. Good. 
Good, yeah. good. How, how, oh, geez. Congratulations on 10 years, man. Thank you, thank you. Congratulations on 10 years, and hopefully 10 more. Thank you, thank you very much. Hello, you're on the Linux Action Show. Who are we talking to? Uh, it's Willie from the uh, chat. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, I've been watching last since I was, I think, 12 or 13, and uh, oh. now I'm 20. So, A generation uh, kid. Nice. Nice. Yeah, no. Well, do you, uh, now, have you been watching that long? Do you have any questions for us? You could. You know, if I had asked one thing, I would want to say, what's made using Linux the most easier for you in that eight, nine years? Hmm. I I would actually I would say the one of the things we talked about in the things that have changed and haven't changed is the. Migration to always having the mindset of having a connection and software is just I type a command, uh, one tack flag, and mm-hmm. I put the name of the application I want, and I just have it. And it, it feels I, like software on demand, but it doesn't have to be in the cloud. It's installed on my actual machine. I would argue that uh, standardization of hardware. Um, yeah. These days, you know, Intel makes the wireless cards that are in laptops. I mean, some some mm-hmm. park companies use Broadcom, but yeah, you know, yeah, everyone's that's true. really it's made it way Intel. easier. And yeah. that standardization around just general components just make it pretty easy. What about for you? For me, that's tough. I would say it's just um, the amount of documentation that's there is really the biggest thing. You know, the the Arch Wiki, nine times out of ten, no matter what district I'm on, is <laughs> yeah. amazing. It's, yeah, it is still Had to bring that up baby. while I'm in studio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't given you enough hard time. Well, thanks for calling in, man. I really appreciate it. I'm glad you've been watching for so long. Keep watching for another ten years, okay? You can oh, watch, heck yeah. Watch me go gray. All right, have a good one. So there you go. That We cleared out the queue. How about that? We got moving. There you go. Yeah, we got really moving. Okay, so we'll leave the line open for a few more seconds, but we should probably... We should probably call it good. Next week, well, I'm sure next week we'll get back to our regular format. I'm sure it'll all be a fine show. You'll enjoy it much more than this episode. No. No? It's oh, like okay. the best episode ever. Oh, okay. Good, good. All right. Well, uh, thank you Plus, for tuning in. Doesn't this, now that we have hit our 10-year-old anniversary, doesn't that mean our voices start to crack? Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a thing. Should we take one more call? Yeah. One more? Okay. Do we'll do one more call. Hello, okay. Hold on. Here we go. Hello. You're talking to Chris and on the Linux Action Show. Who's this? Hey, North Ranger. Hello, hey, Mr. Ranger. Hey, North Ranger. How you doing, buddy? Hey, yeah, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Is <laughs> that true? Long, long-time? No, Maybe hold on. caller. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say, we ate dinner with you, so... <clears throat> There's Not to that. mention he's always in the mumble room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I just always wanted to say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> always yeah. Wanted to say and nice. Just love to say uh, congrats on 10 years. Uh, keep up the great work. Thank you, North Ranger. Have a good one. Thanks for calling and uh, thanks for participating. We'll talk to you later. Bye. So go figure. Yeah, we had, we had some stream issues today, but overall, we still managed to have a lot of fun. If you'd like to join us live next Sunday, jblive.tv. We do it at noon Pacific over at uh, jblive.tv. Or go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get it converted to your local time. If you want to submit content or feedback or open source projects you think we should talk about or anything like that, linuxactionshow.reddit.com is the URL to go to. And if you want to give us feedback, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Also, what? Well, no, keep going. Uh, also, if you want to support uh, another 10 years of Linux Action Show and the network, patreon.com slash today is the landing page where we are raising funds for the entire network. Uh, I would love to say at the end of the next 10 years, maybe the show is entirely crowdfunded one day. Wouldn't that be? What's your What's your last 10-year uh, prediction? 20-year prediction? 20-year? I don't know. I don't think I could do it because I honestly didn't think I'd be doing this show for 10 years. And I thought if I was doing it for 10 years, by then it would be the only show I'm doing. You know what? On that note... 
thank you very much for devoting 10 years of your life because I, I don't think that it'll ever, you'll never, you can't convey this on camera, but the amount of personal sacrifice that you've made. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's not until that you get to, that I have the privilege of knowing you personally that I've been able to see into that and see the uh, the level of sacrifice that you've had to make. And, and I've just seen, you know, two years of it. So I can only imagine what the first, <laughs> yeah, two years of it before, you know, and, and while you're making a living. So what was it like those first eight years, you know, right. before that was even a thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it is. Uh, it's a journey. Whenever you start something, and you have and you really don't know how long it's going to go. Uh, and uh, oh, I hope it goes another ten years. I, I actually feel like uh, I actually feel like it's uh, it's some of our best. We have some of our best energy, some of our best topics in the last few years, and I we still have a whole bunch of great ideas for future episodes. Oh, here's my here's I'm going to make a twenty year prediction. Okay, we're doing the show in twenty years. Uh -huh. Chris is going to pronounce something wrong in episode. <laughs> Whatever it is. That's probably a safe bet. <laughs> That's probably a safe bet. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. And we'll see you right back here next week. Well, then, I think it's about time we get started on the Linux Action Show, episode 421. Chat room, please, Banks. Are you done eating your apple pies now? Or do you? It, so I don't keep eating it. Are you solid, dude? Are you solid? Are you good? <laughs> <laughs> Velta's saying in the next 10 years, someone, I'm going to leave, and someone's going to sit next to you with sunglasses. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. They're not going anywhere. You know what I just realized? What's the matter? What? I just realized that when we sit, we are the same height. That is neat. Well, I also ad adjusted the chairs. I know, I know. But uh, what I'm saying is that it works out. But like when we stand, then I feel like the Robin to your Batman. How is the show about to be done and people aren't blowing your phone up? Well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess people actually know about this one. Sure they do. That I've also, I've worn everyone around me out leading up to this, that none of them have the energy to contact me. So there's that too. <laughs> <laughs>